You've reached the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest today, Amani Nicole. I know her from USC, but she's doing amazing things. She's like one of the most energetic <laughs> and wonderful people that I know. Uh, Amani has her BA in psychology from Spelling in psychology. Uh, again, like I said, psychology and a master's in social entre entrepreneurship from the USC Marshall School of Business. She's also a certified therapeutic and trauma-informed breathwork practitioner. She's an advocate for holistic and alternative healing methods. She works to help others relieve stress, manage anxiety, and bring, and bring harmony to their life by connecting mind, body, and spirit through breath. She's part of the Global Professional Breathwork Alliance. And finally, she's a fitness and beauty model in LA. And so we're going to get into this. Thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Martina. I appreciate it. Hyper well, guy. I love yeah, that yeah. name. Well, you know, what? <laughs> I, I don't I don't think you should say I appreciate it. I'm so happy to have you here because ever since I've known you, you've been so driven and you're just so upbeat and positive. It's one of the things that why we're friends is because of that. You have great energy and and I wanted to make sure I think I told you about the podcast probably about Kind of probably about three or four months ago and you said i'll do it big but i know i'm real busy we'll have to do it later so thank you so much for being on here yeah absolutely i'm happy to be here and um hopefully drop some gems and just share <laughs> yes i know you will i know you will and i try to steal those gems so i want to start by saying you know where were you born and raised i was born and raised in san antonio texas and uh so i so you were born out there as your your mom and dad from texas area um, no, um, a lot of my family actually is from the East Coast. Um, so um, my parents from Virginia and then um, my mom's side is all along the East Coast, D.C., Maryland, Virginia kind of area. Um, and my dad's is a bit through Virginia, but also we've got some folks in Kentucky um we have some folks who've migrated out to california as well but uh, we're all around really <laughs> so, so how did you how did they end up in texas um the military and medical school so my dad had i think got stationed um i don't know which came first honestly uh my dad got stationed in texas and then my mom did her medical school or like residency in texas so that took took them to to San Antonio. And do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. I have three younger sisters and one older brother. Oh my God! So your house is very really <laughs> active growing up. So what was well, your I only grew up with my my like in the house with two of my younger sisters, but it was still pretty. You know, it's still a big family, but yeah. And what was your childhood like growing up? Did you have a, a close relationship with your parents? Ooh, it was, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say we were close. Um, <laughs> I think in my head, I was more of a daddy's girl and I definitely gave my mom a bit of a hard time. Um, she is who I, I grew up with, who, who I grew up in the home with and my sisters. Um, aside from just like the relationship with my parents, I had a beautiful, great life. I was in sports. I've been in sports my whole life. I started with gymnastics, ballet, um, moved into tap and jazz. And then um, I got too tall. I'm, you know, I'm 5'8". I'm too tall for gymnastics. <laughs> so 
Um, I moved on into like team sports and, you know, had my, had my, my, my way in track and field, basketball, volleyball, and just have been athletic really my whole life. Um, but also did a lot of traveling and a lot of summer programs. And so, um, my parents definitely played a role in making sure that I had a good head on my shoulders and I got to experience the world and life around me. Um, and I think, that's really important. We may have not been like super close then, but um, in my adulthood, we've definitely worked through a lot and have begun to foster and um, develop relationships in adulthood, which I think are very different. Because that when we're young, like we think they're the worst and like monsters and they have it out for us. Um, but as an adult, I've just kind of come to learn the decisions that they've made um, and how they really ultimately most of them benefit me. Some of them I'm still trying to get over, but, um, you know, such is life. I'm, I'm grateful for the life that I have and that I've been given. So, so what was your, yeah. what was your relationship <laughs> like with your siblings when you were growing up? Oh, uh, me and my younger sister, my middle sister were best friends for a while. Um, and then not like we weren't, we just weren't as close, but like me, I love my sister. Like we, <laughs> We, we all, we were great. My younger, my baby sister's um, about seven, five years. I don't know how younger she, younger she is than me, but um, so there was that gap. And so me and my middle sister were just like, you know, we were compadres. <laughs> so when she came along, we were like, who is this? Who is this baby, you know, getting all the shine. Um, so there was a little beef between us for a little while, but um Again, like we all were just in our own, we had our own little world between sports and friends and extracurricular activities. We were never really all doing the same thing except for track and field. But again, like I was only interacting with my middle sister at that point because my younger sister was just kind of so far off in age. Um, but yeah, we had a, we had a fun we had a fun uh, time growing up. <laughs> so, so you played sports. Were you were you good in the academics as well? Yeah, I had to be. Um, I didn't really have a choice if you wanted to play sports. And, you know, that just wasn't really accepted in my household not to. Um, and I liked school. I really loved math. I've always loved math. I love numbers. Um, I don't necessarily like to work with them, but I like to understand them and, you know, the language that they speak. Because um, really they can be translated into, you know, every word and letter can be translated into basically a one or a zero or a number. And it's just really cool to think about it that way. Um, and then same thing with like shapes. I hated geometry, but I, lo I loved shapes. So anyways, I loved academics. Um, I've always been kind of an A-B student, uh, striving to be better and for myself. And a lot of the times competing with myself, but also understanding the competition that is around me in terms of like, you know, what it meant to compete in an academic setting um, to make myself competitive applicant for like college at the end of the day. And when you were growing up, what were some of the challenges that you had at home and at school that were difficult for you, but you were able to transition through those and you were resilient. Some of the things, some of the strategies you used to get through those difficult times. Yeah, I think for any, well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people like 
parents, divorcing can be very um, difficult to handle. And you don't really know all the time how much it affects you in um, directly or like immediately. It just kind of, it spread over time. And I think I dealt a bit with that, just kind of being in between my parents and that uh, communication barrier um, or just kind of being in the middle of that. And I definitely got led to some frustration and um, I want to say acting out, but you know, I was maybe conniving is the word. I don't know if it's manipulative, but just really kind of sneaky, <laughs> um, because of that and to get my way or just kind of have an outlet. And, um, so I would say that growing up was difficult. What was the other part growing up? What was the, can you repeat the question? So, yeah, no, but it's, <laughs> what, what were some of the strategies you used to uh -huh. get over those difficult times and get through them? Yeah. In, re in, in retrospect, if you were to look back at that and say, you know what, what made me more resilient during that time? How did I they, how it, If I look back on it now, if I would have changed anything, it would free to speak up and tell my parents how I was feeling or going through. And I was like, I'm not going to be in the middle of this. But what made me resilient and the strategy they used was knowing that I had my sisters and other people around me. Um, it was turning my attention to the things that I could, that I did have control over or I could have some level of like, I know that I can affect this outcome, which was like my school, my work, um, my schoolwork and, and sports. Um, but I, cause I had just so much stuff to kind of keep me busy. And so I just kind of built a life outside of whatever was kind of going on in the home and tried to not let that affect me so much. And who were your role models growing up? <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is Halle Berry. I wanted to be Halle Berry so bad. I dressed up as her in elementary school. And I think about that, how I actually did want to be an actress and I never really pursued it. Um, and I, I wanted to be Holly Berry. She was just so beautiful, so talented and um, so well-spoken. And I could just see myself in her. Um, I think I had, hmm, uh, I think I have Flojo kind of as a, a not a role model, but someone who I looked up to in terms of like track and field, just like that history. And then um, I was always very in tune with Venus and Serena. My my grandfather loved tennis, and so I'd watch tennis with him, and he would just talk about them and, and their journey. And so I think just kind of that strong, like um, resilient, but also driven kind of woman. Um, it's who I looked up to and like accomplished who's like, you know, made their dreams happen. Um, yeah. And my mom, of course, like, you know, I have to say my mom, <laughs> I think you know, it, it, that comes more present, like as an adult too. Like, I think because as a youth, I was just like, Oh, she's my mom. And like, you know, she's working against me, but now I definitely like, I mean, I look back at all the things that she built. Um, and I followed a lot of, her way in 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 some form so definitely like, but for example for example what so she was an entrepreneur and i saw her building her private practice and i very distinctly remember her like fixing her computer um 
working with like uh like this software program you know we had the cd-roms that we had to use for software <laughs> and um I, I just saw that and I saw her work through them. And I think even then the, some of the difficulties I've seen myself kind of face as well in terms of like how to keep going, how to keep the business afloat, whether to keep it afloat or to stop and go to something else. Um, and so I, I think about just that little me just kind of watching her build that, like I'm sitting on a couch behind her in her like office space as she's building her private practice and, you know, managing her money and her funds. And I'm trying to do the same thing <laughs> now. And I'm just like, just keep going. And like, as much as I see myself now building a lot of the stuff I do, like, I, of course, I want to make myself proud that I also want to like build something that leaves a legacy and, and makes my mom proud. It makes my parents proud. My sister's proud, my family. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you were in high school, what made you decide to go into psychology and did you always know you were going to go to college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't really think there was any choice there. I wish I had been more okay going to community college and I wouldn't be in so much stinking debt. So if anybody wants to help alleviate some student loan debt, <laughs> let me know. Um, <laughs> but um I knew I was going to college. I just wasn't, you know, that was not going wasn't an option. Um, it was either that or like go to work, I guess. But I was again, like just always very driven. I had a very good network of people around me in school and like friends who um, were interested in doing more. San Antonio is a very big city, but it, it operates like a small town. Everyone knows each other. People stay in the city, which is very fine, but I knew that I wanted a much bigger life for myself. Like I told you, I wanted to be an actress at some point. And even if I didn't want to, when I was leaving college, like I think I tried to be more practical, which makes no sense. I just didn't have those acting people around me. Like my mom did acting and, and theater and I followed that, but I don't know. I just never saw myself on the big screen for some reason. Like I shrunk my dreams. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to do acting, but I'm going to do psychology, which I think people who are actors have like a very deep understanding of psychology. It's the understanding of human behavior and people and why we make these decisions. And that's what I wanted to know is like, why do we do things? Like I really wanted to explore that. And I wanted to understand myself a bit more in the decisions I made. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to go study psychology. And that was pretty much it. I just love, I've always loved people and always wanted to understand them more. Um, so yeah. let me let me let me ask you this. Um, yeah, I, I know that I think that the whole issue of student debt is, is something that's on everyone's mind right. um, when they think about school, including me. Um, but the question I have for you is, um, do you think going to school was a worthwhile investment for you? I <laughs> it's such a hard question for me because the short answer is is yes. I think I could have circumvented it with life and, you know, maybe working, but I needed, it wasn't even about the education and what I learned in terms of the degree. It was the experience of the people. 
and learning about myself, learning how I dealt with um, conflict, learning how to network, learning how to um, skills that are, you know, useful, like hard skills, like the writing and, um, you know, economics and understanding how the world around you works. Um, but I think it's really about how I operate in the world and less about the knowledge that I was acquiring. And so I paid a lot of money for some experiences that taught me a lot of great lessons. <laughs> so I'm not going to take that back. And especially like, you know, the experience of going to an HBCU and the number one Spelman College, like that's, you know, that's, it's a dream for many people. And so I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. So I don't want to so, say I take it back. I just, you know, I may, I may have done like, like an exchange program or something. I don't know. So, so let me ask you this and I'm going to continue with your life journey here, but mm -hmm. it just brings up a question for me is, have you ever in your own mind processed or juxtaposed your experiences at Spelman, a historical black college versus your experience at USC? Because they're so, they're very, very much different. Um, have you kind of processed what those differences were? So different. And I'm still, it was funny, I'm still processing my, processing my experience at Spelman and I'm still very much process, processing my experience at USC. Um, so, it was very different, but what prepared me for USC is like knowing that I needed to find black spaces. I needed to find my people like, you know, where are we hanging out at? You know, who who is who on campus? And so I. I didn't want to be isolated and knew what I was going into, going to like a big D1 school, you know, like it's massive, it's a massive university, undergrad and graduate programs. And I was like, I can't be alone here. Where are we at? And so once I did that, it was easy to kind of like find my home and find my people. And that made it easier. Um, but it was also nice to have to be at a school that was more resourced in a sense. Um, in terms of, like, in terms of uh, just like a different type of access and that it allows and you know usc is very much on like the trojan network and i've seen that play out it's what's kept me um i think i've leaned into that a bit more than i have my spellman connections here which um i'm not proud of necessarily i definitely um can and, and will and have been working to maintain those connections a bit more from my undergrad um but it's it's so true. It's it's really like the Trojan family, and I love that. And that's not something that's dissimilar from Spelman. I think just because it was more immediate for me with grad school is what I leaned into. But um, I think just the biggest difference was just making sure that I needed versus the family already kind of being inherently in in the school. Like at Spelman, I had to be more intentional about it um, at USC. What in what in terms of academics was I, I, there's there's certain challenges being an undergrad versus a graduate student that are very different. Um, were there any periods in your academic career at Spelman where you felt like I don't know if I'm going to get through this or not, or this is a mm -hmm. difficult challenge for me, and how do I get through it? And what kind of skills do you think you learned getting getting over those obstacles? Man, you know what? I was coasting through Spelman, and that's that was, and I intentionally did that for myself. I probably should have <laughs> made it a little bit more difficult, but I've I 
crafted my schedule in a way that would not bring me a whole lot of stress in my life. Granted, there was some like stressful moments in like classes, but like I didn't take a bunch of hard classes. I took the classes that I was interested in and that were required of me. And then I looked at which professors were teaching and, you know, I took the insight from people who had already taken them and and made those, you know, made those decisions. So I think like, it's like, I very quickly knew to make my life easier and not harder, work smarter, not harder. Now, some of that can come through in different ways. Like I may shortchange the experience um, or the lessons and the things that I've learned because I went the quote unquote easy route. But um, I think it allowed me to do so much more um, in the school and just like on campus and extracurriculars because I didn't have such a wildly demanding schedule. And I think, you know, that's important because yes, I was there for an education, but like I said, like it was about learning myself and learning who I am among other people and, and, and interacting with them and how I operate in the world. Um, the education can come like we've got you, anything that I missed out on, I can learn on YouTube. So <laughs> I think that's the kind of approach that I was like taking is just like, there's so much more for me to learn here. And so I'm going to curate this so that I can learn people and how to interact with people versus, you know, I'm reading a book and I can regurgitate it for, you know, some firm that wants to hire me. Cause yeah. So what did you want to do? I mean, I'm sure I, I, I was kind of the same way in my undergrad. I took, uh, I, but there was, I have to tell you, there was not many easy classes at Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, but um, the I question, think it's all perspective, you know. I was looking around for some stuff to take some pressure off me. Sometimes you got to take some yes. hard, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes I just, like I just, you're going to I, I couldn't because Berkeley, man, I don't know, man. It's just but, like um, they're all a lot, yeah. I, I, I tried, <laughs> I tried, though, I tried. Um, and so the question I have for you is, um, when you were going through your undergrad, did you know what you wanted to do after you got your degree? I and wanted then, to be a marriage and family therapist. I did not follow through with that goal. So tell me what, so, okay, so you want to be a marriage and family therapist. Yeah. So you, you graduated. So I'm picturing this now. You graduated. The day that you graduated, what happened next? How did you get to L.A.? What made you decide to grad school? What was your what, what was the steps after that? What happened? Wow, there? there's so much life in between that. Such a little time. <laughs> I couldn't find a job. I could not find a job. I could not find a job. Couldn't get a job. I was like, what have I been doing here? Like, am I not using my connections right? Like, what what's wrong? So what what um, where were you looking for jobs at? Were you would you just stay? I was looking in Atlanta, but I was looking for more like youth program development. I'd done a lot of work with um, youth education. Um, and so I immediately went that route because that was like easy to necessarily, it was easier to access. I wasn't necessarily ready to go right into grad school. Um, I think I was just kind of bogged down from all the money that I owed like in that student loan debt just already carried a massive burden on me. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, I'd actually graduated early and I stayed back to, I was working um, in Atlanta at this pizza parlor. <laughs> I was still taking maybe like one or two classes or a program at Spelman. 
And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I graduated and as a kind of a like gift, but also education route, I, I did this program. I decided to take this program in Italy. I was like, I really want to learn business. Um, I had failed at getting into business uh, during my undergrad with like different programs I had applied to. And I was like, well, let me try this one. And so I was in Italy for this business program. Still had no idea where I was going to work that summer after graduation. And then while I was in Italy, I had applied for this Amer these AmeriCorps positions. Still in the realm of uh, youth development and childhood education. Um, and it was running a STEM program. I had done a lot of work in that space. And just that was, I guess, when it 20, I don't know, what is that, 2015? STEM was really high on the radar for folks. And I took an interview for an AmeriCorps position. It happened to be Seattle where my, my family had moved to. And um, I took myself out there. And I, I started, you know, after that program, I started working there. I was in Seattle for a couple of years, was still loving youth development and programming, but still wanted to go to grad school, did some research on social work programs, marriage and family therapy, but they didn't. And I'd gotten in the first year I was there in Seattle, but I delayed my, my something just didn't fit. And I was thinking about that kind of cost benefit analysis, like what's my income projection after that? Like, am I just going to be in debt? Da, da, da. And um, I, so I, I like delayed my admissions or whatever. And then the next year um, I was like, actually, I want to go to business school. I want to learn how I can scale this impact that I'm having. I was doing this direct service, working with youth and family and kids. And I was like, this is great. And I love them and I'm great at it, but I want to do more. I want to scale my impact. And I ended up at um, USC that summer, 2017, I moved from Seattle and I started my life in social entrepreneurship and health and wellness. <laughs> it's honestly, it's just, it's not, it's never been like this uh, linear path. And I think I've struggled with accepting that, but I know that's not me. I've never gone the straight way. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've had to learn all these lessons and had to have all these experiences to know that, um, when I had this idea of business school of wanting to expand impact and scale and bring money and resources to people and communities that that has turned into me where I'm at right now, having this business, this um, wellness experience business that is bringing um, these practices, health and wellness, physical movement, intentionality and joy to people by way of employing black and brown wellness practitioners who are not paid well. Like, I'm like, I don't get it. I've experienced that. And I was just like, no. And so all of that learning people, figuring out that I wanted to have a greater impact beyond the classroom to now, still wanting to have that greater impact, but doing that in a way where I can help bring wellness to people in their workspaces. Um, through wellness events and experiences and do that in a way that allows me to play to pay other um, black and brown and 
wellness practitioners and wellness practitioners in general, but very specifically like us who don't get paid for our work and our labor and our energy um, and, and pay them more than a living wage. Like I want to pay them above that. And so I'm just trying to build that life right now so I can pay myself too. <laughs> so let so let me ask you this. That was what, a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> what was your what was your experience like at USC? Did you learn a lot? And um, was it something you look back on and say, you know, I'm really glad that I that I that I majored, that I got my master's in this? Um, excuse me. Absolutely, I learned a lot. The thing about it is, like the business school, where it teaches you to be a consultant and how to be a consultant. It doesn't teach you how to really run a business, um, and it does. Like it gives you the things that you need to know and tools, but like you really don't know until you're in it and building it because you learn in a linear way while you're in school, um, and that's not how building a business is. Like it's. Um, everything is happening at once. <laughs> and so I, I can't say I learned like prioritization necessarily, but I remember talking about it. You know, I can't, you know, you know, doing my books is something that I learned and I've been able to apply. I learned a lot and I met a lot of people. Um, so like the USC education and the network is phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, and the program, the social entrepreneurship program, it provides so many resources for folks who want to do well in the world and do good in the world at scale. And even for people who are doing small businesses, because you can impact so many people just in like a small vicinity. Um, and I learned how to make those connections and just kind of use what I got and just be scrappy. And now I'm putting a lot of that into practice and still learning a lot of things, but um, Short answer, yeah, I learned a lot. <laughs> and then, um, so tell me how you got into to breath work and how that how that all came about. So you, right. finished, you, you finished your master's degree and you're like, what am I going to do now? And I think that brings me up to this point. I know you have a lot of business ventures going on. You have a lot of things yeah. going on. You have yoga, you have breath work, you, mm -hmm. you've got modeling, you've got merchandise stuff going on. You have a wonderful Instagram account, which we'll get to at the end. Um, <laughs> and so can you tell me how this kind of all evolved? Thank you. Yeah. Um, how did I get to breath work? So I maybe started meditating consistently after graduation. I was doing it in and out. Same thing with yoga, just inconsistent practice. Um, and that fall was when uh, the pandemic started like looming over our heads. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm stressed. I don't really have a consistent job. Like, I have not had a full-time job since graduating. My full-time job has been me, but it's been, like, through contract work and, um, yeah, different contracts here and there, being an independent consultant, taking, like, odd jobs. Um, not a lot of odd jobs. They were in alignment with what I was wanting to do with, like, social enterprise consulting, which is still part of the work that I do now. Um but I was stressed out, like, and I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills. I'm not trying to give up and go home and leave home. I've had a very just turbulent kind of living situation and things were stressful. And at first I leaned into my spiritual practice. And so for, um, I don't know if maybe we were connected on Instagram at that point, but I was sharing a lot of my spiritual journey and a lot of that had to do with meditation and sitting at my 
um, my altar and talking with my ancestors and that that relationship grew. And over time, my breathwork, my breathwork journey or my meditation journey started um, to be more consistent. And then that following year, I guess we're in 2020. Did I? I can't. Yeah, 2020, maybe 2021. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the years all running together. But I found this breathwork program. And um, I was like, okay, this is cool. I had started doing these meditations on Clubhouse. And I was like, I really want to do more. There's something more here. And I found breathwork in this program by um, my lineage teacher, uh, Saida Foxy. And I took her breathwork certification course. And I was like, oh, snap, this is amazing. <laughs> like, of course, I wanted to use this as a practice to expand so that I could obviously like monetize. But I got so much more out of it and just kind of started like sharing. Um, and from there, I just started to build my practice. Like I was like, I'm, I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. I can't hold a job. Um, I've been doing this contracting. I need to have the time because I wasn't at that point. I wasn't willing to like take a full-time job to, um, to kind of hold me over and just put my dreams to the side. So many people do that. And I was just like, no, if I, if I do that, I can't build my business. Um, and there's so much work and energy that goes into breath work and meditation. If I'm burning myself out, I'm not living what I preach and I talk. And so I was like, I'm going to continue this contracting work and start building out this practice. And I started doing online classes and workshops, um, started doing events. And then over the last year, I've just kind of began to crystallize and formalize that business and those ideas to, to, to come and be Elemental Breath, Elemental Breath LA, where a wellness, um, we're a wellness experiences and event company that prioritize joy, stress relief, and um, helping people live longer, more joyful lives. And I was only able to do that because I've always had this kind of like guiding light of like, I am doing this for me, but I am doing this for me through others. Um, and, and my joy and my health and my wellness comes so much from being able to share that with other people. And it may not make sense to folks, but it's like, it's never really been about the making money for me. And that's something that I've had to learn to focus on more because I have to live and eat and breathe <laughs> and have a roof over my head, which is why that business aspect is so important. But as a heart led person and emotion led person, that was never at the forefront. And, um, it's always been about helping people be more joyful and live this, this more, this well, this life of being well, of just being and doing that through the breath. And that's yeah. kind of cultivated for me over the last, um, the last year or so. So let me ask you this and you probably, you weren't, I know you weren't ready for this. And I, I know people will say, Fig, give me these questions. And I said, well, I don't, I'm not going to give you any questions. You just got to just be, be in the moment. I know. So, so, so here's the question I have for you. One is, can you give me a definition of breath work and why is it important to develop those skills and how does it benefit a person from practicing yoga and breath work? Oh, such a, yeah, I, I need to just have like a one sentence. Um, 
I call it breathwork, intentional breathing, um, an intentional breathing practice that, excuse me, um, can help you reduce stress, um, increase alertness and clarity, and um, overall benefit and boost your immune system. Um, this is a, isn't a new age spiritual practice. It's been around for years. It's part of yoga, which is eight pretty much that has eight, yeah, I think eight principles. Um, most of us only know the asana, the movement practice, but there's meditation and pranayama breathing, which are also part um, yogic practices. And so it's been around for ages, um, but it's it's been known and has been shown through mounds of research to reduce anxiety, to help with sleeping, getting better sleep, um, insomnia, to help with people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and depression and a number of other issues. Um, and, and you can start with literally just kind of sitting and just slowing down and slowing down your breathing and taking notice of your breath. Are you breathing shallow? Are you breathing deeply? Um, and that can automatically just kind of kickstart your, your nervous system and just to say, hey, I'm in a calm and safe space. Um, you know, it's been really helpful for me and the clients I've worked with who suffer from panic attacks or childhood trauma and just being able to, to relieve that trauma by connecting um, and fortifying that mind-body-soul connection by going and tapping into the body where there's trauma that's stored, energy that energy blockages that are preventing people from moving forward in their lives and going to the next step in their lives. Um, I've used breathwork and meditation to help people with those things. And so um, there are many different techniques that you can use and practices. I share a lot um, between my Instagram and my business page and my website, and then you can find plenty more um, across the internet. But um, yeah, it's, there's, that's what breathwork is. Is it's, it helps you live a joyful life, a less stressed life, I, I, I and think, boost your immune system through I, through different practices and techniques. I think I think all of us were so we get so busy and caught up in our lives. Sometimes we don't know how to slow down. Yeah, and and I think it's it seems to be a way to force us to take a few moments out of every day to slow down and to focus on self. I don't know if Absolutely. we can get, I, I don't know if you're able to take us like through a one or two minute one and just give, oh, a, sam wow. give, give okay. a sample of how you would, how maybe we could do this. And, you know, for, for some of our listeners and what, whoever's listening to this right now, um, just slow down. I, I, actually, Amani, you can go ahead and walk us through how to do this maybe, <laughs> so that, you know, to help our listeners, maybe just whatever you're doing right now, well, I'll have you just do this for one or two minutes and, kind of give us a sample of how you would do this. I, I, I'd be grateful if you'd be able to do that. Okay. Um, we'll start with the basic box breathing. So if you're finding yourself in a comfortable seat, or even if you're doing a walking meditation, that's okay. But if you're seated, I invite you to find a comfortable seat, either cross leg, laying down, um, placing your hands on your side or on your knees gently fluttering your eyes closed. And we'll start with a deep cleansing breath, taking an inhale in through the nose. Nice and slow and exhale out through the mouth with a sigh. And when you're breathing on these next three breaths, I want you to focus 
your breath into your belly. So when you're breathing, inhaling into your nose, guiding your breath all the way down to the bottom of your stomach or at the top of your diaphragm, and then allowing your breath to expand your belly and into your chest, and then exhaling slow and controlled. And so for Brock's breathing, we're gonna take a four count breath, inhale in through the nose, holding for four seconds, and then exhale out through the nose, and then hold for four seconds, and we'll do a few cycles there. Starting with an inhale into the nose for four, three, two, one, hold for four, three, two, one. Exhale through the nose for four, three, two, one. Hold at the bottom for four, three, two, one. Take an inhale for four. Hold for four. Exhale for four. Hold for four. We'll take two more rounds of breath here. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Take another round of breath here on your own. Returning to your neutral breath, slow, deep inhales in through the nose. Exhale out of the nose. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Just taking notice of how your body is feeling in this moment, maybe how different it feels from when you started. And this kind of, this breath brings calm and clarity into our body. It allows us to just slow down. Um, if you're experiencing anxiety, this could be a good breath. Uh, but generally, it's good for, for calm and relaxation. Well, as this podcast is, this is a hyper guy motivational podcast. I don't really slow down. So I have to tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you that felt really great, that exercise. So thank you so much for guiding it, guiding me through that. And I think that I wanted to get the listeners to get an opportunity to kind of slow down. I, I know a lot of our listeners are very, very active um, people yeah. and we have listeners all over the world. So thank you so much for guiding us through that. So um, absolutely. let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, how do I know you're very much and you're doing modeling and you're doing, a, there's a lot of businesses you have going on and you're very, yeah. you're very successful in everything you've done in your life. And that's one of the reasons I love having you on here. How do you, how important is yoga and nutrition and fitness and diet in your life? Oh my gosh, it's top tier. <laughs> um, I like to joke and say that I will get paid to keep my body together or stay healthy um, and stay fit <laughs> in terms of modeling. Um, but I love it. Like it, it, it feels, I feel so good. It's so much better. And like, 
when I started getting into the routine, like it was difficult, like it, it was tough. But like after maybe two weeks of really just kind of grinding in and like being hard on myself, it just becomes nature. And when I don't work out, it feels crazy. When I don't eat well, my body, you know, can tell, you know, I'm living this lifetime so that I can play with my nieces and nephews and, and my cousins. And um, I want to be able to, you know, run a triathlon when I'm 50 or 60 or 70, like that, that kind of, those kind of goals, uh, drive me. Like, I just like being active. I want to be able to stay active. And I've, I've had injuries, I've been sick. And if I can keep that, keep myself from experiencing that on a regular basis, or just, you know, from experience disease and sickness, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to put that time and that money and that effort in, um, to, so that I don't have those expensive things happen to me later, like having, you know, just sickness that could have been prevented from dealing with stress or eating better or working out. Um, it takes a lot of money maybe, or investment and commitment and time up front, but it's, it's much less than what it will be then down the road when, you know, you're hooked up to some, you know, aspiratus or chain or breathe because you can't breathe or because you're suffering from, um, high stress or chronic stress. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for myself now as much as I am and doing it for who I am going to be in 20, 30, 40 years. So, so it's really, can, it's really important. So can you give me a day in the life of like, because I, I know that you have a very strict regimen in your life. Um, can you give me a, a day, a day in your typical life, your fitness regimen, your yoga, your breath okay. work, your diet. Can you kind of give me an idea how your day goes? Yeah. 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 So, um, these days, and again, like my routine kind of changes from season to season, like winter, I'm definitely a lot slower and may only be doing like yoga versus weight training. But right now we're in um, uh, the spring or summer, really. And my routine looks like me waking up at 530. Um, 505-ish is when one of my, when like my morning soundscape goes off. Um, and I have a 30-minute buffer there if I want to just kind of just rest if i had like a really long night like last night i worked really late so i was slow to get up this morning but i get up by 5 30 um, and i'm in the gym by six or i'm at least starting to work out by 5 30. and so my workout is an hour sometimes an hour and a half depending on what i'm doing it'll be either running um it'll be weight training or it'll be yoga um, or a combination of the two, just kind of depending on where I'm at during the week. And so that takes me to about, um, I don't know, 6.30ish, around there, 7 o'clock. I stretch, and then I take a shower. Sometimes it's a cold shower. Um, helps with, like, metabolism and being able to manage stress, like teaching our body how to deal with, like, that fight-or-flight response. Um, I get dressed, have some tea, I journal, um, I write uh, my to-do list for the day, my to-feel and to-be to be list. Um, and mostly my, my to-do list is already written out, but it's like, okay, if anything changed between when I wrote it yesterday or whenever, um, making those adjustments, I read, and then I do um, an energy reading, like a card pool um, or tarot cards or oracle cards for those who are familiar, um, just to kind of get a... a a gauge of what I need to focus on today 
as it relates to what may come up and what I need to be aware of and how I need to act. And so at that point, now we're at like 8.30, 9 o'clock um, in the morning. And that's when my like work day gets started. Um, and depending on the day, like today is, is a get to the money machine, get shit done day. <laughs> so uh, I have a lot of things just kind of like back to back that have to do with um, building my business, bringing in revenue. Um, so I have a lot of like grant applications that I'm working on right now. And then I have content that's getting posted around like two or between the day. So I have that in my calendar. Um, today I have a nap scheduled because I have a really long day. <laughs> Um, and I have an extra workout. I'm going to do abs. I just did yoga this morning. Um, and then I have like a community meeting. And then tomorrow I have a similar day. Um, but yeah, my morning routine is like 530 to 830 or nine o'clock. Um, and then I kind of just get my day started with that with whatever is uh, on my plate. <laughs> so what would you what would you recommend if somebody's just starting um, they obviously there's some people they can't, you know, it takes a while to build this into your lifestyle. Oh yeah, uh, I hate routine. Yeah, so yeah, so 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 but I love so, it. If somebody is, you know, if somebody, you know, is working, going to school and, and they're raising a family or doing whatever they're doing, they have a lot going on in their life, and they only have maybe a half an hour or 30 minutes in a day, what would you recommend they do? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't say that I breathe. Meditation and breathing is part of my morning. Like when I wake up, I, uh, I recall my dreams. I drink a glass of water and then I breathe for anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And then I go into my workout, but, um, you have one you have to stop making excuses. We're all busy. We're all busy. We all have something to do, something else that can replace what we said that we want to do for ourselves. And so you have to make that time and put that time aside and stick to it and commit to it and put it in a place that makes sense, like with like, like activities. So if that means like you have a portion in your day where you're taking a break or that you're, you know, maybe it's when you're waking up or that you're doing fitness, make sure that you have a block of time for breath work and meditation. Um, you can't expect to make these changes if you continue to make excuses for yourself. You have to make the time and put the time in because you do have the time. You're just not putting it aside. Um, and I don't, and I won't, and I, and I stand firm on that because I, like I said, like I've been so resistant to routine, like I will push it back against it. But the only way that I get things done and the things that I need to get done in my life is by giving myself the time and setting that time aside and putting it in my calendar and being a hard ass on myself for a little bit to do it. Cause after that, it just becomes ritual um, and it becomes habit. And then I don't have to think about it. Um, but if you read the book Atomic Habits um, by James Clear, it says that you've got to create that link every day. You know, you got to create that link every day and change and change because then it gets harder to break. Um, but the moment that you break it, you know, you got to get back on the wagon because, you know, then you'll just be right back where you started. And let me ask you this. I, I always have some, I, those are, those are great, great tips. What is your diet like? You know, like, what are you, what are you typically eating every day? And are you eating three square meals or how are you? I How don't eat great three square meals. I usually drink my breakfast. So I have like a smoothie right now. I'm kind of 
tinkering with intermittent fasting um, only because I'm like playing with my like I'm playing with my body really like what I can do with my body in terms of like look um, but I'm eating like I don't I'm not starving myself like I have this you know window generally I think it's like 16 hours um, but I'm kind of loose with it I think it it makes life really sad when you are restraining yourself from eating. Um, now you can be strict if you have these goals, but I love food. I love food. I'm cutting back on the refined sugar. So I don't eat a lot of sweets. I usually get that from my smoothies or I freeze a smoothie. So it's kind of like ice cream. Um, I have a lot of fruit. Uh, I could probably do better with veggies, but I always have like a veggie with, with my meal, like whether it's lunch or dinner. Um, and I have heavy protein diet. Um, and that's just what, what works for my body. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. And I'm sure some people that follow you have this question. How do you have such wonderful skin? <laughs> oh my gosh. Genetics is definitely part of it, but I drink a lot of water. Like I start my day with water. I detox. I don't, I do not drink soda. I don't drink soda. I don't drink sugary drinks. One of my favorite juices in the world is the white cran, um, white cran peach juice. So good, but the sugar is insane. And I have it maybe once a year. Um, and yeah, you just don't need it. We're so addicted to sugar, but like once you start taking it out and you get over the cravings, it doesn't feel crazy. And like it, you see it in your skin. So drink a lot of water. Cut out, you know, limit the dairy, um, eat fruits and veggies. And like also like, again, like I just it's also in my genetics, too. So but I, I have a good skincare routine, too. Like I have to keep it up. I'm not, you know, I think it's impervious. I think that's the word I want to use to like wrinkles and frowns. I've got deep sockets in my eyes. So the dark spots, I have to take care of those. And like my, you can't see it right now, but like my, my cheeks are breaking out. Like I get hormonal acne. A lot of it actually happens on my back versus like my face. And so I have to take care of that too. Like exfoliate, have a good skincare routine, know what works for your body and your skin and try stuff like people. Yes. Follow me and you can follow things that I do, but like what I'm telling you to do is like, try things for yourself follow the products that I put out or other people, see if it works for you and then try something else and then stick to that routine and eat in a way that your body responds well to that. So you can have that good glowing skin. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> I, I, I got some, some questions for you here. If, okay. you can meet, if you can, if you can meet a couple people, it's a rapid fire questions in the last five or 10 minutes. Oh here you goodness. go. Okay. Um, if you can meet a couple people in your life, who would they be? And what would you say? Oh, fuck. I feel like I answered this question for myself the other day. Um, I would want to meet Mark Cuban. Um, well, I don't know why he's the first one. I had three other names that came in to my brain. Um, <laughs> um, I would want to meet, I mean, I would want to meet Toni Morrison. Yeah. And, and, what, and what would you say? What would you say to well, him? Mark Cuban, I would want to talk to him probably about mindset and entrepreneurship. Um, I don't have a specific question, but I admire what he does in with his power. Um, and then Toni Morrison would be more for my like spiritual and emotional self. And so talking to her about just 
her life <laughs> and what she, well, I'd want to know what she thinks about mine. I mean, it's like, you know, that, that's what I would just want to know. I want to have a conversation about our life, you know, as, as growing people and evolving people. Um, okay. Here goes the next one. What would, yeah. what would the, what would the older Imani tell the younger Imani in terms of advice? I think you touched on it a little bit before, but I'm going to ask you more. Honestly, like a lot of my friends are going to listen to this and be like, no, but I would say you have to push past the discomfort. I love being comfortable, but it is, it's kept me behind. And like, I, I would say be kind to yourself and yes, give yourself grace, but push past the things that make you uncomfortable Yeah, and continue to do that. Guilty pleasure for food. Ice cream, but I, I also like pick, I'm very picky, but I like non-dairy ice cream, I guess. <laughs> non-dairy cream and partake cookies. The ginger, favorite, uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite workout music. Ooh, favorite workout music. I like some good house or some dance. Afro beats is also great too. Uh, best advice you ever received. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't. I do not. <laughs> uh, be yourself. Like, I don't, like, be yourself. Uh, okay. And what's left on your bucket list? Oh, wow. I have so much left on my bucket list. Um, I definitely want to do the wonders of the world, uh, go on a hot air balloon. Um, yoga teacher training it's not really a bucket list but these are just things i want to accomplish like yeah these are things that i'm going to accomplish before my time is up here and, you know and this is a this is the toughest question and so usually the one i end with is what do you want to be remembered for when you're no longer on this earth joy for spreading joy unapologetic joy well, I want to tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. You've been a, a wonderful, wonderful guest. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on here and giving us all this really, really good life advice. And yeah. um, and so anyway, so what I want to ask you is if somebody wants to get your services and they want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to follow you and get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way for you to get in touch with me is by going to elementalbreathla.com and just go ahead and click that book button and you can do a breathwork session with me. You can take a, do a private guided meditation or a custom guided meditation. And then if you're interested in me bringing um, a wellness event or breathwork experience or sound bath, sound healing, um, I work with a couple other folks under the Elemental Breath LA umbrella, and we can come to your workplace or your workspace to host an event or a retreat or just a private event for um, your employees or your customers or whatever you're interested in. We specialize in event experiences and wellness experiences in addition to my private practice. Um, and how would yeah, they ElementalBreathLA.com. And how would they follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, on social media, um, on social media, you can follow me at mani.com, M-A-N-I-I-D-O-T-C-A-L-M on Instagram. 
And that's where I share all my joy of movement and my love of movement and breath work and meditation. Um, and my business, Elemental Breath LA, also has an Instagram page at the same at Elemental Breath LA. But follow me for um, on IG for sure. M-A-N-I-I-D-O-T-C-A-L. Well, I know, I know you're a happy <laughs> and joyful person. So I think anybody that contacts you, I think it's going to make their life better. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to working with um, the listeners here today for sure. So, so thank you so much for being on. If you like the podcast, give it a thumbs up. Give it a reviews on all the major podcast platforms. <laughs> and thank you so much. And until next time, keep learning and getting better. And we'll be talking soon. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>